It's the internet, you're busy, let's do this. Welcome to the GameSpeak Decides podcast. This is the podcast where we decide everything happening in the world of video games, so you don't have to think for yourself. You do have to dance for yourself, though, apparently. I'm your host, Jeff Regrub. With me is... Mike Minotti, where did you get our new intro song? Um, it is... Yeah, it's, it's like a jazzy uh, YouTube guy who does like re- reworks of uh, video game music, and I'm like, hey, can we use this? And he said, yeah, sure. Um, I'm going to have to... Uh, Pretty sure I'm supposed to be crediting him, so I should get his name, and we can start let's doing get a, it let's next. Get episode. It. Let's get those credits for him. Yeah, that's a for good sure. jam. Oh, baby, that is. It's yeah. He did a good job with that. that. Is, I'm, I'm that is super duper good. into it. Um, so yeah, on today's episode, other than just loving our own theme song, we're going to get into the news. We're going to talk about some games. Uh, first, though, I want to thank everybody for joining us. You can get more from me and Mike at GamesBeat.com. If you have something to share, you can get us on Twitter at GamesBeat or at GBDecides. There's also an email, GamesPlusPodcast at VentureBeat.com. Uh, if we get something wrong, if you hate Mike's guts, that's where you send it. Uh, if you're watching this on Facebook or YouTube, the video version, there's an audio version of the show. You can get that on Google Play, Apple Podcast. Apparently, there's a Google Podcast now or Android Podcast app. And I don't know. I don't know. It's get, Spotify I think we're on, Podcast. There's yeah, podcast we're on Stitcher. Now. Right. I think we're on most of those, I think. We'll have to, I'm going to have to double check because it's, it's changing. The landscape of podcasts are changing Mike Minotti. Uh, um, finally, if you like the show, rate us on Apple Podcasts. It helps us, I guess. All right. So uh, I should... I can't guess. Yeah. yeah, I guess. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows anymore? Um, Mike, how you doing? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. You know, summer's been... Been, been summering it up. I was at uh, Cedar Point this, this past weekend, which is one Ooh. of the... I don't know if it still is the world's largest uh, roller coaster park, but it, it's it's up there. I mean, I, I don't like roller coasters, but it was my brother's birthday. He wanted to go there, so hey. Did you, did you end up riding any, or like, no. you just like... Okay. I went on the Sky Buckets, which I was very excited about, because they used to have <laughs> those in Disney World. And then I went on the train... Uh, which, again, like Disney World, they have an actual steam train there. And at one point, Cedar Point and Walt Disney Company exchanged trains. Like, I don't know Whoa. which trains. But, as, yeah, at one point they, they did that. Because, you know, there's only so many of these trains. You either have to build them from scratch. Right. Which Disney has done, or you have to, like, get them. And I know, like, a lot of the Disney trains used to, like, move sugar in, like, uh, Mexico or, or, you know, northern Mexico or something weird. So, like, it's really interesting because... Like, a lot of people are like, oh, yeah, they have, like, the theme park train. It's, like, a fit you think, like, everything else. Like, if you go to a theme park and they have a steel train, that is, like, a train. It's really cool. Yeah, I guess that would be, like, there's probably not a company that just, like, builds those these days. Like, that is probably work that is very specific and specialized. Right, like, there are actual that. steam trains running on steam. You can see, like, there's always water towers somewhere. And, yeah, it's, it's huh. neat. Yeah, that's really cool. I, I, I've definitely, I think I've ridden that one. If Like, if it's been there... For a while, for a long time. I think it's yeah. Good. So I, I I wrote yeah. I, I love Cedar Point. Um, I haven't been in like a decade now. Uh, but I, when I lived in Ohio, I definitely went. It was a, it's a really good great place. If anyone's in the Midwest, check it out for sure. Yeah, it's kind of wasted on me because I don't I can't do roller Like I love theme parks. So like, I right. still have fun just like admiring it. And it's it's more on the amusement park side. It, it's not really all that themed. It has like this one. Wild West section that's like very heavily themed, and then right. everything else is kind of just they're all midways, right? Um, but I mean, the whole point is that it has a ton of roller coasters and it has a lot of uh, really big ones. The the big new one this year is Steel Vengeance, which is they converted um, an old wooden coaster. Uh, I think it was called the Mean Streak, and kind of like 
turned into this hybrid steel wooden coaster with like a bunch bigger drops and some inversions oh, really? even. Uh, yeah, it looked really neat. Uh, my brother yeah, I, I like does the, like these things loved it. I loved I used to love the main streak and the blue streak and all those. Uh, blue streak's still yeah. there, don't worry. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, I think that was like the one they were known for like 50 years ago, the blue streak or whatever. So yeah, it's like that and like corkscrew. Corkscrew, corkscrew is still there. It's neat just because like yeah. corkscrew is like kind of on the like walking path. Yeah, you walk, walk underneath like, it. You walk yeah. right underneath the corkscrew. It's actually very. Yeah, but yeah, this isn't the roller coaster podcast. No, no, but it's it's a yeah, it's a. Although I do love Planet Coaster, Roller Coaster Tycoon, so I think that's why I can like still like I like going to these okay, places yeah. and looking at the coasters. And I know actually for Steel Vengeance, the way they like debuted that coaster was they had it running in Planet Coaster and they showed like the trailer of that. Oh really? That's cool. Yeah, I mean Planet Coaster, I, yeah. I, I there's no reason why I think companies couldn't just literally use it to like prototype roller coasters. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. That's I'm glad they do that though. I'm glad they actually think to do that. That's neat. Um I, I, I tell you what, I mean, summer in here too, but summer just means that's uh, I'm really hot. It's really hot, Mike. It's been like 95 degrees every day in Denver and stinks. Yeah. It was like rough it. in Cedar Point. Uh, There's a moment where the sun was beating on me pretty good, especially with the lack of hair I have these days. It was, it was a little rough. But I tell you what's got me really hot is that they've ruined my She-Ra, Mike. They've taken She-Ra and they made her look uh, less beautiful. I'm very... You, you, do, you, do you know about this news, Mike? They're... Who's She-Ra? She-Ra cartoon. She-Ra's the woman he Oh, the he- I was never into any of that He-Man stuff. What they do- well, is this like, is this like everyone getting mad about it? Is this like everyone getting mad that Thundercats thing? Is this like the same thing? Yes, it is very similar. I got to find you this. Um, I'm, I'm sorry. I got to find this. this okay, is- we'll look at She-Ra. She-Ra. Yeah, I just got to read you what someone wrote about it, but I, I think I liked someone making fun of it. I got to find it for you. It's... Um, it's pretty... What's wrong? I'm looking at her. What's wrong with her? She just... I mean, it looks like a okay, modern here, cartoon here, let, now. Let me allow a man from the internet explain it to you. So you're saying that the female character before looked somewhat manly, and th- thus it is good that they made her even more manly? I don't want over-sexualized characters at all, but by making all characters under-sexualized, you will give the same self-esteem problems, but to sexy girls. What? Well, how is she manly? She's like... Has long, She's... blonde hair and like... S- s- like high skirt uh what no, i don't know what people, people suck first. people suck and they're very upset about this and then um well that's funny one guy, i'll just there's a, to laugh at them yeah do you know the guy that got uh, kicked out of the magic community for like harassing a cop yeah yeah he's very awful. he's he's very much into this he's How, very what a he's shock. Top of it. yeah what a shock exactly and I'm his whole thing childhood. is his whole thing was here. Look at this beauty, and he like shows like a clip show with like music of the original Shira, and I um I died, Mike, when I saw that in his video, and I've been dead since this morning after seeing that. So that's just where I'm at. I'm hot. At least I'm just glad we got these fighters fighting for Shira. I just so never take She doesn't look like a man. I guess she does. Is, is it just because she doesn't have gigantic breasts? Is, is that really? And um, yes, ex- yes. I think that's all. And like visible lipstick, but she doesn't have visible lips. I don't know. Like if her lips were red, everyone would be happy. If she had the Minnie Mouse so. eyelashes, <laughs> yep. put, a bo- yep. put a bow on her. I mean, the, 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 where are the polka dots? The complaint here basically is I don't want to fuck this cartoon and I wanted to fuck the old one. Like that's what the well, complaint is. More of her for me. <laughs> Although. <laughs> Uh, all right, so all right. what you've been playing, Mike? What have what you been playing? Well, I feel like everyone else is really getting into Hollow Knight on a Switch, and I'm kind of playing a very different uh, 
indie uh, kind of roguelike or rogue roguelite. That's what we're calling these. But uh, yeah, I'm playing twenty twenty XX or twenty XDX. I don't know how you say it. I like to say XDX because I think it's funnier. Uh, but, but it's this just twenty XX. Why? What do you mean XDX? Well, because it's like you know twenty. 21, right? Or 30 something. Um, so the, the first S is like XD, 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 right? Okay, I got you. That's really XDX. dumb, Mike. But yeah, I got I'll you. I'll kill you. Go ahead. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but so this is, you, you played Rogue Legacy, right? Uh, a little bit. It's, it's one I haven't gotten in, gotten into. I'm, I'm I'm like holding up for Hollow Knight right now. It's where I'm thinking about going. This is kind of this is Rogue Legacy, except instead of like Castlevania as the gameplay mechanics, it's all Mega Man X. And it's much more Mega Man X than that game even was Rogue Legacy. It's so it's very obviously Mega Man X. And, and the way it works is you start like a run of the game, you go to one of the random like levels, then you kind of it's procedurally generated like kind of you know like the puzzle pieces, right? Like you'll, you'll recognize segments once you start doing it a bunch, but it could be different the the order of it. Uh, then you get to the boss and you have to fight him. Then if you win, you get like uh, you get some items and then you get to pick. With like one of the three next bosses, and you kind of try to go as far as you can without dying. And then if you do die, you you some of the currency you have you can spend to get permanent upgrades to hopefully make it easier next time. So it's one of those. Right. It's a roguelite in that you know if you die you lose progress, but there is some progression with the idea being that eventually you'll you'll kind of have enough help to get there. But it's neat because it is very Mega Man Xy with uh, all the wall jumping, uh, wall climbing, uh, charge shots. You uh, you can play as two characters. One of them is, you know, like X with the Buster. The other one has, like, a Z-Saber, like Zero. You can kind of alternate between the two, and they both have the same kind of basic upgrades and stuff, so, like, you could just kind of mix it up that way. Uh, it's really fun. The, the only issue is that, like, the actual art style, like, they'll even have, like, hand-drawn, like, like, not cutscenes, but like pictures between things. They, they look pretty amateurish, but uh, mm -hmm. super fun. If you like Mega Man X, I mean, this is a. Uh, I think this is a pretty easy get. Yeah, it sounds like there's going to be a ton of these games that are structured like this, and they're going to have a bunch of different kinds of mechanics on top of them that like call back to these other games or like because the one i'm playing right now is dead cells because it's about to come out uh in its final release and i just got the switch code so i'm playing it on there now um and it's it's structured pretty similar similarly you know it's it's procedurally generated and that you know it takes sections of levels and puts them together together differently each time and you go through and you try to collect the resources to get permanent up, permanent upgrades. So when you die, you get back some of your resources, and then you put. But you, you know, you what you want to do is just go back out and find those upgraded weapons now, and now you have a better chance of getting even further this time. So yeah, I uh, you know, and this is totally like rogue legacy, rogue legacy, and a bunch of other ones. Hollow Knight is not maybe exactly the same, but um, yeah, I don't actually know how Hollow Knight works. I mean, right, me neither. It sounds it like that's got a more structured some rogue world. elements, I think, but I think it's right. more Metroidvania. Thing. Right, exactly. Uh, but yeah, it just seems like people are going to keep making you know these kinds of games just with different mechanics on top I mean, of them, and it's fun and, so and people, you, yeah, no, you could just pick your pick which one works for you. And I'm sure like Mega Man X, I'm sure is ideal for what you like. It's a and, pretty good one to go to because Mega Man X has the really kind of fun traversal and, and right. Yeah, and I'm I'm really digging Dead Cells, which has some Castlevania, more more of the modern Castlevanias because it has so many different kinds of weapons. Uh, but even more so than those modern Castlevanias, the each weapon feels so different and keeps the combat fresh. So, 
the, yeah. the Switch oh. indie backlog is just getting insane for me. Oh yeah, it's, like, it's, getting, things, it's getting absurd. I'm gonna have enough things to play in that system forever. I've even started Yoko's Island Express and right, like oh, God, yeah, so many good games. game. I finished that one. I'm I'm glad I did. Yeah, good. I want to play it. I want to play it. Um. I, uh, you know, other than Dead Cells, uh, I finished a f- my first run of Frostpunk, which, um, I, you know, I was pretty happy with because it seems like that game's pretty hard and you don't normally, most people probably don't normally beat it the first time. But since I'm a pro gamer, I did. Um, and what I found was that really embracing my inner dictator and religious, well, I'm a god is what I'm trying to say. And I made my people... Uh, I forced them to believe that I was a god, and I killed the ones that didn't, and then we were fine after that. So there's, there's like two meters at the bottom of the screen you have to be worried about. You have to be juggling the whole time. One's like hope, and the <laughs> other one is is discontent. Okay. <laughs> it's, yeah, hope. Do you want uh, hope to be high or low? You want hope to be high, and you don't. Oh. If hope gets low, they'll start like considering like leaving because uh, they're like maybe there's other s- settlements and we don't have to like like we shouldn't we should have never left London. We should we should just go back. Um, so you want to get you want to keep hope high, but what I did was I just researched a bunch of like religious options till I got to the point where all right now it's time for the new religion, and this was me completely replacing the hope meter with devotion. And devotion is always full 100% of the time, and I no longer had to wor- worry about hope. Now, we did have to break a few eggs to get there, Mike. <laughs> Death is so terrifying. We, yes, it really is. Uh, we had to break a few eggs to get there, but in the end, you know, we, we did survive the very harsh, harsh winter. It was negative, like, 200 degrees Fahrenheit. So, look, Oof. worship me and I'll get you through this was my deal. And most people agreed with me. Like, most people saw that as like, uh, okay, yeah, I can make that happen. Um the, so, the one so basically you tricked them into thinking that their suffering was like good or something well I, I, I like I tricked them into thinking that like by you know believing in me to the point where they thought I was a god that I would be able to see them through this punishing thing that, that, not necessarily that their suffering was good but that their suffering was going to come to an end and I was the only one that could make it end I see I see yeah it was um it was rewarding and I like that part but uh I, but your soul is now damned forever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. For sure. Like the, the it does this really cool thing at the end of your run where it's like it like basically just does the highlights and it like picks. Obviously, it's like procedurally generated. Like, oh, we started out by putting the children to work because my first thing, I, the first thing I selected was child labor. Of course, like, get those get those kids and and you know it was safe jobs for most of the for the like most part. And at the end, I'm like, ah, oh, let's let's have them go work in the factories. That'll be that'll be useful now. Um, but like it, then it, like the, the, that storyline at the end where it like recaps your story, it's like and then we went too far. Um, the fight for survival turned into fanaticism. And I'm like, I, I, hey, look, well, I did okay, what I had I, to do to keep people, you know, fed and clothed and sheltered. Most of them. Um, so the ones like, that you killed. Yeah, well, you know, the, the, who's who's to say that they're even people, really? <laughs> oh, um, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, but there was like this really like good story like writing element in it and it was very subtle like it starts off with um this guy comes to you and he's just you know he's not like a a, really an npc he's just like a text thing and it comes up and he's just represented by a small little icon that walks around the map um he's like hey you have to let me go outside the city because we're just like this small little circular city in the middle of the tundra you have to let me go outside the city because my daughter's missing she went out there by herself i have to go get her um she's been missing for a while and i'm like dude it's it is negative like 118 degrees at this point in our city. So out there, it's going to be even colder. She's dead. I have, I'm not going to let you go. You just stay here. 
So he stays. Uh, I, well, he, he has no choice. I force him to stay because I have these um, religious police, basically, that I can, I can use to make people do what I, what I want. Um, so, so he stays, and he's very upset. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I forget about him. I play my turns. You know, I keep going. I keep trying to improve the city and make sure that we're ready. Dealing with resource, sorti- resource shortages all the time. Like, we have this big storm coming. I have to have enough food. Oh, my God. I have, like, almost no food right now, so we need to focus on that. And then all of a sudden, I get this message. The guy killed himself. He hung himself. And it shows the guy hanging himself. And I'm like, oh, man, that sucks. That's, like a, like, that's pretty hard to deal with. And then, like, two turns later, the daughter shows up. She was <laughs> hiding by the generator. And I'm just like, mother, this hurts. Like, that is actually painful. Like, there, I don't know if there was anything I could have done. I'm sure if I had let him go out, he probably would have died anyhow. But it was yeah, just like no these choice. small little bits of story being thrown at me throughout the thing to, like, really humanize the characters that I uh, I really appreciated. It was some pr- pretty smart stuff because it wasn't, like, overbearing. It, I didn't have to take in a lot, but it was just like these, you know, handful of beats that really brought home the fact that I'm dealing with people that still have emotions and stuff. Um you know, and as as their god, I appreciate that. So yeah, I should have not killed himself. I think it, I think that one's on yeah. him, Jeff. Don't worry. Yeah, a little. I mean, I, I yeah, I I understand though, and it was still heartbreaking when it happened though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's it's a really good game. I think I'm probably gonna go back and um, try one of the other scenarios. Uh, there's one where you have to fit, like save the uh, like the seed museum the thing where we keep all the uh, like, all the right. seeds from earth we have like like in norway or whatever uh yeah so i'm like okay that's that seems cool and apparently it's a harder mission so I'd, I'd like to check that out and i probably wouldn't be able to use like the religious options there so i'd like to see what other stuff i have available um other than that danger zone 2 which i don't know if i talked about last week i think i didn't i don't think i got it till later um it's the sequel to danger zone which is the spiritual successor to the crash mode from the burnout games um I like the first game a lot. They are, uh, you know, or Danger Zone 1. I liked it because, you know, it's just this vehicular puzzle game where, like, you just drive your car into this intersection, and if you do it just right, if you find the right route, you can maximize your score, and you go up on the leaderboard, and you're like, oh, wow, well, that's a really good score compared to most people in the world. Um, and that's a really satisfying thing to do for me. I think a lot of people weren't happy with the first one because... There wasn't a lot of variety, especially in the levels, because you were in like this VR lab thing, and that didn't really bother me. But people were like, "I want to be out in the real world, like crashing real stuff. I want to feel like that's what I'm doing." Um, and also, you were almost always in like the same kind of sedan car throughout the entire Danger Zone one. This one changes it up. You're outside. You're in like a Los Angeles most of the time. It seems like I've only gotten through the first region, and I'm in the second region now. Second region looks a lot like the first one. Um, but, uh, you are driving a lot more, uh, varied vehicles. So you have that sedan, but you also have like an F1 Indy racer. Um, and you have a, a huge, um, uh, like big rig that can like knock anything off the road. And so there's a lot more variety and I, I'm, I'm into that. I like that. Uh, but I think what they really did to in- ensure that danger zone two feels like a big step over the first one is they've, uh, worked on the part of the levels called the run up, uh, which is, you know, there's the danger zone at the end where you're supposed to cause the massive crash, but the run-up, like, is this just like this, you know, takeoff area before that point, and it gives you challenges to complete in this run-up area. Um, like, one of them is, like, crash eight taxis, uh, and, and so you're running up, like, just you know, behind these cars, and not every car is a taxi, uh, and you have to figure out how to knock, like, certain cars into the taxis so that you could take out each one before you get to that danger zone, and there's only just enough taxis, uh, and... 
And the way that they make sure this is super entertaining is if you hold down either the X or the B button on the, on an Xbox controller, um, you know, the X is on the left, the B is on the right, you will knock the car that you bump into to the left or to the right. Uh, and if you hold neither, they'll just go forward. So it feels like you're really in control of, like, causing the mayhem and ensuring that, like, one car bounces into another exactly like you want. So, like, okay, I've taken out two taxis over there. I don't have to worry about them anymore. I can just keep shooting ahead to take out the next ones. Um, and it's it's super satisfying. I, I'm really, really into that. And then, of course, the destruction at the end is is just as good as it ever was. I, I never thought there was a problem with that in Danger Zone 1. So, And it's just as good here. So I'm, I'm, I'm into this game. I'm really liking it. I'm not. I, I like the first one though, so I'm not sure how people are responding to it. Uh, I think feel, it feels like maybe uh, people mad like that developer. Danger Zone looks too boyish now. Yeah, they're yeah they're <laughs> very upset. Yeah, they they don't want to fuck it, and they're just they're, they don't know what to do. Yeah, that's. Uh, I don't know. I'm into it, but uh, I'll be interested to see how other people receive it. Um, is as more people get their hands on it. Uh, but that that does it for me, Mike. Anything else from you? Uh, not really. I mean, I've been playing World of Warcraft. The kind of pre-patch came out today. This is sort right. of introducing some of the features and like basically a lot of the class changes before the expansion comes out next month. So it, it, the servers have been getting hit pretty hard. So I've only been able to mess with it a little bit. But you know, playing World of Warcraft still as as usual. Time for news. Okay, Jesus. <laughs> All right, Mike. Sorry about that. I just have no, a button here, and I want to press it all the time. Nothing to apologize for. <laughs> uh, all right, so we're getting into the news then. Um, unless you have to go PP, I can let you go PP. No, if you I'm want good. That. I PP before. All right, we're on a roll here, then. People. Oh, oh, can't stop me now. First up is I think maybe one of the most shocking stories that I uh, just I can't believe that this is a real thing. So, Alien Colonial Marines, not a great game, right? This this is Appar- the gearbox one, right? Yeah. Yes, yes. Apparently, one letter, if you would have changed one letter in the code of that game, it would have made it maybe not a great a great game or even a good game, but significantly be- better. So it's a single typo, and it's in basically the uh, the part of the code that controls how the enemies move. Um, and it's called tethering, and it's like basically that tethers the uh, enemies to certain parts of the level so that they can move intelligently. Um, someone at some point when they were like debugging or something spelled tether T E A A T H E R whatever with an A instead of how it's spelled, which is without an A. Uh, and all the other instances of that word is spelled correctly, so those those other instances aren't linking back home to the home base code that would have told you know the, the the enemies the xenomorphs how to behave properly so people went in they fixed that a they took it out and all of a sudden the enemy ai was just sig- so so significantly improved that it was immediately noticeable and it's just baffling to me that one letter can do this could this ha- like do you th- could you think of anything else in any other medium other than games where one letter can go- first of all it took 5 years to find this well, that's, and that's, second of all it could break so much that's what's baffling to me it's i, I can understand how it, you know a typo can happen i can't believe that like the people making the game who could, who probably had an idea of how the ai should work just could like never discovered this or fixed it i mean it. Or it's like it's got to be so hard to find one letter um, in the code, and then, and, and at a certain point, like you release the game, and you're like, oh man, I, you know, maybe it's not working, but I we got to ship the game. I, feel, I think I a bet, lot of people who worked on Colonial Marines are probably just ready to move on. I uh, know. I think that's definitely that's got to be part of it, right? I mean, a lot of other games you feel like this, like they would have found it eventually, but they definitely moved on from this. There was like lawsuits involving this game. 
the morale was probably low enough that no one wanted to go look like, for the bug. Please point me in the direction of the Borderlands pre-sequel or whatever. Right. And, and when, you, when you see the behavior, if, you, if, if someone was familiar enough with the way the character should be behaving to know that they weren't behaving correctly, they probably assumed it wasn't just a one-letter fix. It's probably like, okay, I'm going to have to go in there and my fix is going to probably break something else and then I'll have to fix that. So it's going to be a ton of work and it's just not worth it. I, of course, you have no idea that it's just one letter. It's, it's like the equivalent of like watching a movie where the audio is slightly out of sync. But like, right. even in that instance, that's usually like a specific theater problem or a TV problem. Like, this is just and every everyone instance notices it. Yeah. of this game was like weird, man. Yeah, I just I I, I making games and more than anything, like this is what this makes me think of is making games is so damn hard. I wonder if how many developers went through their game files now were like control F T E A T find all instances replaced with. Yeah, you know? no, and people were like on um like uh the 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 woman that runs the train jam to GDC where people make games on the way to GDC. She started a thread about like, hey, developers, tell me all your stories about how like one bad typo ruined a bunch of stuff in your game and like how you fixed it and like people were talking about like working with uh, teams from america and teams from england and using english or uh, american english spellings for stuff and how that would break things and cause a lot of lost time so it happens and it's it's probably not as rare as we think um still though baffling um okay so up, up next i think one of the bigger stories from last week was uh, more developer centric uh, centered than uh you know a lot of other news but Epic, the, the company that makes Fortnite and runs the Unreal Engine, they have reduced their take for, for um, assets that people, third parties, sell in their marketplace. So basically, Unreal is a tool people can use to make games. Uh, and when you're using that tool, you can go to the Unreal Engine marketplace and buy a tree or a car or like a, a me- like a locking mechanic mechanism. So like your doors can lock and have padlocks on them. Like you could just install that into your game from the marketplace by paying for it. Uh, traditionally, and this is, you know, a pretty uh, traditional split for most stores. Um, Epic was taking a 30% cut and 70% would go to the asset creator. Uh, they reduced that down to 12% for Epic and, and, and increased it to 88% for the asset creator. A huge bump. Uh, the big thing here, though, is is they're going to apply that that split retroactively. So people are going to get that difference for every sale they've made for the last four years. So it's going to be a huge windfall for a lot of these people that may have made a lot of assets, um, even like over just the last year, let alone the last four years. Uh, some people were ta- I talked to a few developers who said they're going to get like ten thousand dollars or more uh, from this. So uh, a, a pretty nice thing it, overall. There's no, and, there's no way to explain this except that they are just so flush with Fortnite money that they don't even know what to do with it anymore. Like that's that first off, that bump is huge from 30% to 12%. And then you just retroactively apply it. Right. They're just like, there's no reason for them to have to do this. I mean, it's awesome to do There's, there's really, you know, no one was ever going to hold them accountable to do something like this. People don't usually just give out money for no reason. It's because like, all right, I guess we have a ton of money. I guess we should, you know, kind of spread the wealth a little bit to, to some of these people who, I don't know, or affiliated even with Epic. Or yeah, I mean, it's, it's, like you're right. No one was ever going to ask them to do this because 70 and 30 is, is such a, it's a standard across the entire industry for platforms like this. It's what uh, Apple Store is, Google Play. Uh, I'm pretty sure that's Unity. what the Unity Store is. Um, so, so, you know, people were saying, okay, well, this isn't all altruistic. Of course, Epic is trying to compete against Unity and, and the Unity engine, which has a similar asset store. Um 
And it's like, well, yeah, of course. But like, you could do all kinds of stuff to compete, and you don't have to like, like give away money in the process. I think was uh, probably already has been, you know, edging out Unity for a bit here. Uh, it, right? I think it's um. So Unreal, I think I think Unreal is becoming the platform of choice for any developer that has to make stuff for a variety of platforms. If you are thinking like I want to make stuff for the Switch and for the PC and for PlayStation Four, Unreal, especially in 3D, Unreal is probably it's, your best bet. Isn't that because isn't that used, didn't that used to be the appeal of Unity was that it was easy to port things? Yeah, for sure. But like Unreal is just so scalable now because you can you could take a game that's like. Fortnite, you could take a game like Fortnite and make it run on phones. Uh, and that's the Epic's whole thing is they want games to be super scalable to run all, all kinds of hardware. Um, Unity, I think, is still maybe better for very small teams. And their asset store is much bigger. It's It's got 10 times the amount of stuff as, as the Unreal asset store. Uh, so if you are working by yourself, you're going to have a lot more to choose from if you're, if you're working on Unity. Uh, but no, I do think, uh, I mean, Epic has made, a, even before Fortnite was coming out and was huge, Unreal was making a lot of pushes toward uh, competing in, 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 in that space with medium and small size developers uh, against Unity. Because all the, you know, last generation, it was big developers using Unreal, right? It was, you know, we'd get um, Bioware making Mass Effect games in, in there. But now EA doesn't want to do that. They want to save that money by using one of their own engines. So um, Epic has shifted and it's done so successfully. But yeah, I, I think just to say like, oh, well, I mean, this is clearly just a uh, another selfish move. It's like, okay, maybe, but no, you, you, if your way of helping people or helping yourself is to help other people by giving them more money, that's, let's, just, let's just call that a good thing and then go home. Yeah. That's, there certainly seems like nobody loses here, huh? Yeah. Except for maybe Unity. <laughs> yeah, and, and Unity has other ways of competing. I talked to them. I got a story going up today or tomorrow they're going to just keep finding other ways of competing and, and that's totally fine too. And they will, um, people don't want to just have one option for this stuff. Unity does, does, does do some stuff better. Um, okay. So here's a really weird and kind of maybe dumb story. Mike, uh, Capcom shares plummeted nearly 13% following analyst concerns over monster hunter world sales. Um, basically the story here was that, an analyst from, uh, I think, Bank of, Bank of America Merrill Lynch, and I think this was a Japanese analyst, uh, looked at Monster Hunter World sales o- sales over the last couple of weeks and compared them to the original sales, uh, like coming right out at launch, and said they're dropping maybe faster than anticipated, uh, and so Monster Hunter World sales are a risk going forward for Capcom. Um, and then everyone was like, oh, and, and I think, the, Cap- I think the, the analysts lowered their... Um, their anticipation, their expectation, their forecast for Capcom. Uh, and then the market kind of reacted poorly to this uh, 13% drop. Uh, I would say a couple things here. The market's never rational. Like, almost ne- like they almost always take this news uh, and don't, they don't, they never understand it fully. And, but they, that doesn't stop them from uh, panicking yeah. about it. Yeah. We've seen, we saw that with like the, like they, yeah, Pokemon Go. They gave Nintendo a huge boost, and like, like then they remembered that Nintendo doesn't own Pokemon that way. And then the next day, po- the Nintendo's uh, uh, you know shares share price dropped right back down. It was they're that dumb, um, <laughs> and and the, yeah, and this analyst, I, I think, I think it's somewhat fair once because I someone sent me exactly what they wrote, and they're they're basically trying to say that 
sales were at a certain rate, even over like maybe two months ago. Uh, but in like the last month, they've dropped to like double or, you know, five figures, or I'm sorry, like six figure sales per week in Japan and around the world, as opposed to three figure sales per week. So it's instead of 100,000, we're getting like 15,000 sales. Um, and I've, I've, I still feel like that maybe all this is saying is that the analysts still didn't understand from the beginning and maybe thought the tail would be huge in, in a way that these games still never are. Um, and then, and so when they put the, like a, the wrong number on the, the the expectations from the beginning, they're still just correcting themselves, and the market reacted to that as if it was uh, Capcom screwing up instead of this analyst. Right. I mean, so. basically, like my thing is not knowing so much about you know this kind of market world is that it just seems kind of crappy that Capcom has this giant success with Monster Hunter World, and they're they're kind of punished for it in this bizarre way over it right. not selling as well i mean you know right. it's, it's, it's a best-selling game ever right or a fastest selling game in like a really long time or at the Cat very Mom. least yeah it, For yeah, it was a huge hit it's the first it is the monster hunter game that really broke out on the west finally uh i, I mean you know i don't know like you know ongoing sales i'm not sure what that's like i assume people are still spending money on it i know they're just doing some sort of what final basic 14 thing recently i don't know it just seems yeah, it's weird it's, 7.9 million units uh you know through June or whatever it was it's a it's a huge number for a Capcom game uh I will let me just read the uh, the thing from the analyst uh, real quick although cumulative sales volume is gro- excuse me although cumulative sales volume is growing steadily we get the impression the popularity of Monster Hunter is dying down 6 months after its release we expect Capcom to develop measures to drum up demand such as, such as releasing a P- PC version and discounting the price. But sales have slowed earlier than we expected, and there will likely be a growing awareness of downside risk. So it's like, okay. I mean, that PC version is coming out next month, and yes, discounting prices is going to be a huge thing. Like, um, if it it drops down to like 30 bucks, I think it's going to like find a lot more people on... On uh on Xbox One and PlayStation Four. This guy, this is kind of like a self fulfilling uh, prophecy a little bit here. Like right. This guy's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I, but I think the, the underlying thing here is what you said: a game selling eight million copies from a co- from a publisher that doesn't normally do those kinds of numbers. Uh, it seems weird that Capcom would be punished for that. So yeah, um, I, I just yeah, I think these analysts in the market often are just such a bad combination when they get together and make reactions like this. Um, okay, up next, Rainbow Six Siege players who use slurs are now getting banned instantly. Sounds like a good thing, right, Mike? I sure. I'm sure. I can imagine people who like slurs are mad. <laughs> yeah, there were so there were people definitely reacting like, "Oh, you won't let me say the f word anymore." It's like, homie, I don't think you know what a slur is. But it sounds like the first uh, instance is like you get a, an immediate half hour ban. And if you get caught three times, there's there's a, a potential for a perma ban, um, and they're not just applying this to just like strictly correct spellings. Uh, people are like, oh, here's a meme spelling of the n word, and it's like, oh, everyone understands that this isn't hateful. And it's like, and they're like, hey, I got like someone says, I hey, uh, Rainbow Six, I got banned for typing n i b b a, and they're like, good, <laughs> we don't care, good, we we know what you're trying to say, <laughs> like, um, you didn't trick us. Yeah, exactly. So it's yeah. So it's it seems like it's pretty strict, and also kind of maybe shows that uh, a lot of platforms can do this and just choose not to. Um, so yeah, good. I mean, good on on Ubisoft for doing this because I, I will say playing Rainbow Six Siege a lot over the last couple months 
Uh, it's got one of the more toxic communities when it comes to this sort of uh, language. And this was a much needed thing to kind of keep people who I think are um, into the game in a way that is not necessarily more casual, but just like wants to go in and have a good time. That stuff's a huge turnoff. And I'm, I'm glad that they're doing something about it. I, I, I heard at least one instance where like, like people have been using this strategically. Like they'll just say in chat to the other team, like don't be racist. And like someone on the other team just can't resist. They'll just <laughs> the N word and get kicked. God, that's so good, actually. Right? Like, yeah, you just can't help I mean, it. you yeah, can't they tell make me it what to do. Of, <laughs> my God, it's part of the meta. I love it. Yeah, oh my man, God. Right? Oh, yeah, that's good stuff. Um, did you watch this new No Man's Sky yeah, trailer for No Man's Sky Next? Yeah, I mean, it's it's coming out July 24th. It's a big update for all platforms. I, I believe it will also be coming on coming out on Xbox One on that day. Um, it adds multiplayer and third person perspective and maybe some other stuff. And does it look appealing to you? No, no. Yeah, I mean, I mean even like even like the promise of what No Man's Sky could be at its best was never all that interesting to me. Right. Uh, I mean, you know, I have so many it, things to go to right now to play. I don't know if I'm gonna like suddenly get back into like I don't I don't think that having other people next to me would suddenly make No Man's Sky fun. Right. I I think it does fulfill a lot of those uh, early promises that people were upset about. Sure. So I, I mean, think, I think potential- it's better. It'll probably make the game right. better. Right. So, um, you know, this is like one of their, this is their most recent big update, but they've done some other ones that have added a uh, building so you can construct your own home base, for example. And uh, they completely reworked the narrative so that the writing is a lot more, it, it, it's a lot more propulsive. It pushes you through the galaxy in a lot more uh, interesting ways. And this is already in the game. Uh, and I think adding multiplayer and adding third person so you could see your own character and you could see the other characters and there's like scuba diving, I guess, now and stuff like that. Um, I, I it seems like it could be the game that pe- maybe some people it's just getting wanted closer to point. being an MMO. Yeah, like I mean maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah, you know, very maybe like uh, the Destiny flavor of MMO, but you know it's still not going to have all the, the 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 shooting and the missions and stuff. It's sure. much more just about mining. Um, I, I'm definitely going to check it out again though because I, I I never went back and played that new narrative, the the restructured I've narrative. Played it since vanilla, vanilla, right. No Man's Sky. Right. They're going to make vanilla No Man's Sky ten years later. Everyone's going to be just not Oh yeah, for sure. Probably. Yeah, not. that's probably no. That's going to have a huge upswell of support for sure. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to check it out though. I'm I'm interested to see. I, I just I'm just overall interested in No Man's Sky as a product, like as a thing that people had expectations for those expectations weren't met and how the developer has tried to make sure that the game turns into something that people want even if it isn't ever going to exactly meet those expectations um they've definitely put a ton of work into it so i I guess they could afford to the game really still sold a ton when it came out so they probably they're probably just still sitting on all that money and putting it to work into the game um did you watch the first Fortnite competition from Epic, the first no. official one? I didn't know much uh, about think, this, so I just read this thing right now. Yeah, so I, I, I didn't know much about it either until I saw the headline from PC Gamer. Epic's first official Fortnite competition was a total disaster. Um, I, here are the highlights from like just this one paragraph in the story. Some of the best competitors died to horrible latency issues while the casters laughed it off. A private plan- a planning spreadsheet appeared on the screen for all viewers. So like a private planning uh, spreadsheet used internally by the company putting on the event. Uh, ten matches were promised for the event. Only four were broadcast. Um, uh, there was an arbitrary invite list for who got to compete. So dozens of established pros were denied the chance to even compete in the first place. 
and the prize money uh, and the prize money was riding on uh, getting at least two victory royales, which meant that people playing the game in the competition were being very conservative, very dull, and camping. So it was boring to watch. It sounds like a a rough start. A rough start to that one hundred million dollar investment, huh? Exactly, $100 million on the line from, from Epic toward uh, Fortnite esports. And it's like, yeah, the money's going to attract the competitors, but like, why, then why would you have this arbitrary invite list? But whatever. Um, I, people care about big money prize pools in esports, so maybe that's why you put it in there so people will watch. But I still think if you uh, it, it's gonna make be, it boring. Yeah, well, it's right because like people like watching the, like the, the Fortnite streamers because they're very good, but... Right. They also don't have to take it that seriously, right? Like they mm-hmm. can kind of have some fun with it. They're, they're never gonna, they're gonna play pretty aggressively because if they lose the one game, oh, I'll play the next one, and they'll still right. win more, like you know, a lot more than the average person. But when you say like it says, "Here's the prize money on the line," they are going to play it very methodically, and you know, is methodical uh, battle royale that much fun to watch? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it feels like they maybe they could. Uh... They could structure the the point system in a way that uh, that it would encourage maybe more aggressive play, like get, count- get point for kills, not just for victory royale. Yeah, exactly. But then at the same time, then you're messing with the purity of the system of like, right, oh, just com- be the last player standing. Yeah, it's complicated. There's gives and takes. Uh, but uh, of all these problems, um, latency issues, uh, you know, not having uh, just being disorganized. I think a boring thing to watch is their biggest one, and maybe the thing they could fix mo- most readily. I think it's got to be like the golden snitch, right? Like getting victory royale is still <laughs> by far worth the most points. You get to right. points for killing people. Yeah, for sure. I agree. Um, let's see. Next up, uh, German court bans vague dates like coming soon in marketing sales. Is, is this actually upset anybody? Does, do people get mad when they? I say didn't know. That's, I was honestly going to ask you this. That's why I put <laughs> like, it in here. I'm like, do you? Did, did do you get care so about? Mad? Like, well, I don't know when that is. I don't know. I wonder if it's going to come out at some point. (laughs) It's okay. Coming soon. That's meaningless. Maybe coming soon translates to something real vulgar in Germany. German. Like (laughs) like maybe this is getting lost in translation. My grandma's going to read this. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, it sounds like, I mean, a German court band, so someone must have brought it to the German court. I, I didn't look at the details. I was honestly just like, what? Do, you, what, do you think anyone cares about this? But, I mean... What are they like going to say someone, instead? Nothing? I, just, I think they just have to say nothing, maybe. Yeah, I think that's their other option. Here's our thing. Maybe it'll come out. Maybe it won't. <laughs> yeah, I mean, could, could you, like... Coming at some point in the future would be technically accurate. Maybe you could say that. Yeah, like... But, like for soon, a maybe release. imply something. Yeah, that, it's just a weird thing, and it just it reminds me of um of the like I think they, this just just went into effect in the Netherlands. Uh, players of CS:GO in the Netherlands can no longer open all the prize packs, all their uh, crates that they're getting because it's illegal in the Netherlands now. So Steam's just like, okay, we're not going to replace it. We're just going to keep them closed forever and give them no way to open it. Oh, uh, but that's what everyone wanted. Everyone wants to make those illegal. Yeah, and it, yeah and it's Yay. like, okay, I mean, problems are like, solved. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And it's like, well, first of all, unless you get like a global rule, 
And I guess unless you get the United States to do, to do something, which is like a big enough market where it would filter down everywhere else, you're going to get these weird offshoots where it's like your country is just not a big enough market for us to really care. So you're just going to get a suboptimal experience. Like you're still going to be in the same thing, but you're just not going to get what everyone else wants. And it just feels like one of these weird, um, you know, legislative or, or, or judicial solutions that are never going to be perfect and are just going to cause more problems than they solve. I mean, you know, trying to ban coming soon. It's like, okay, then. They'll find ways around that, but find ways. Just they'll see invent it. a battle pass or something else. Yeah. <laughs> this isn't totally um, gambling anymore. The governors can't get mad at us. Last one. Uh, so there was a, a leak of some Steam data that uh, I think Kyle Orland over at Ars Technica was doing a lot of stuff with. And it seems like uh, amongst that data is the evidence that Wolfenstein 2 really did not sell very well on PC. Um, this, this makes it, me sad. Huh? This gives you a yes. sad... I'm very sad. Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm also relieved that we got at least something new with Wolfenstein at E3, but I'm still sad that this is the case. Um, so this is just PC. It doesn't include Xbox One or PlayStation Four, where sales definitely would have been higher because that's just the way sales work. You know, consoles still sell more games. Uh, Five hundred fifty thousand copies um, as of July first, twenty eighteen. That's a million less than Wolfenstein: uh, The New Order, and then uh, it's also less than. Uh, the like that offshoot uh, Wolfenstein the old the old gods or old yeah the old blood yeah um, and, and I think it's even less than <clears throat> prey oof. so yeah it's just oof all around and I hope this isn't a uh, I hope this isn't the end I hope like bl- the the young bloods comes out and and like oh this is like okay we're never gonna come revisit this series or at least not for a long time or we're gonna change it drastically okay. let them finish the trilogy and then we'll see like they're still clearly. A spot for the Wolfenstein three at the end of Wolfenstein two, and I don't right. think that's what's going to be addressed in this kind of no no. Thing. So this is definitely a side story, yeah. Right. I mean, um, much of so the story yeah. of two is kind of like organizing the revolution. You don't actually do it, right? And we have to kill Mecha Hitler. We got to get to that Mecha. point. And it's like I've been ever since I got gotten to the first Wolfenstein, and I'm like, man, they're going to wait until the third game before they give us Mecha Hitler, aren't they? Uh, I've been waiting for it ever since. Did you read the comments in like that Reddit kind of post where you, you you know, people are talking about this? Cause there's, it's, there's a disconnect where it's like a lot of people who are like, good. Yeah. This game had bad word of mouth and it's actually not very good. And only journalists liked it. Uh, I don't know if Mm -hmm. you saw that. Uh, yeah, I, I think I'm not, I didn't see that, but I'm also not surprised that that's how some people feel. Uh, you know, to me, it was a special game. Like it's a special game with incredible writing and characters. And yeah, I also agree that I didn't have great shooting and stuff. And it's like, I don't know if you're just coming to games for that stuff at at this point, I just, I I feel sorry for you, but I also can't change your tastes. So, uh, and like, yeah, I feel that way, but I don't necessarily know if they're the majority either, and I don't know if it's bad word of mouth is exactly correct either. Yeah, it's hard I just, to believe that, because I don't know. It's even still to me, just across everything, I thought the word of mouth seemed good. Right. I mean, I think the first like, the first comment is, right, it came out on the same day as Mario Odyssey and Assassin's Creed Origins, which both had um, huge sales. Like, but Assassin's Creed Origins did really well. And Super Mario Odyssey, of course, like stole all the headlines. It was a huge release for the Switch. Uh, yeah, I think um, I mean, we'll say. I mean, they did just release Wolfenstein Two for the Switch. Maybe, maybe that'll do something. Maybe I think it'll like sell that, something. Yeah, yeah, that platform overall is doing really well. Uh, that's not exactly the kind of game, the kind of game that is thriving on the Switch. It's all indie games for the most part. But there's no rule that says this couldn't. So we'll see. Um. All right, Mike, I think that's going to wrap it up, though. That's all the news. You got anything else for me? 
No. Well, I think we should probably wrap this whole thing up. Um, I'm I'm gonna go on vacation next week. I'm trying to think what we should do because I don't want to. We just on vacation. Yeah, I took a long. I took what I did is I took uh, a long weekend, nice. July Fourth. Everyone's and taking like, vacations at work. I'm the only one allowed to do anything this summer. Didn't you just just go to Disney World again? Just do that it. Was like that was like spring. <laughs> Fair enough. I, I'll be Fair taking enough. time off in in uh, fall though. I'll probably take a little bit off right before BlizzCon so I can go to Disneyland again. And I have to go to a wedding in Florida. And uh, you know I'll have to visit Disney World while I'm there. So yeah, of course. That's, I'm a. Uh, I'm trying to think of what we should do. I'm thinking maybe actually we should get back together on Thursday or Friday and just record. I'll never get back together with you. Please. You, you please. blew it. You had your chair. <laughs> no, please, man. I need this. Uh, and, and maybe we could just do like a uh, like a traditional game suite decides where we just like pick a topic and talk about the best stuff in it or something. And then we can save that for next week. And then the week after that, we'll be back to our normal stuff. Um, in the meantime, though, Mike, why don't you tell everybody where they can find you on the internet? Well, you can find me at GameSpeed, uh, of course. I'm also at Twitter at Tolkoto, uh, that's T-O-L-K-O-T-O. And I also do the Exploding Bro podcast with my brother. You can look for that at all the podcast places. And I am uh, Jeff Grubb on Twitter. Uh, get me on YouTube.com slash Jeffrey Grubb and uh, Twitch.tv slash Jeff Grubb. I was playing Frostpunk all on Twitch, uh, having a good time there. People were really getting horrified at all of my behaviors and actions in that game, and that gave me life, and I really appreciated that. Um, and like I said, we'll be back soon. We'll have we'll have the podcast next week. I'll figure something out. Um, I don't. We haven't even really figured out if we're going to go anywhere, Mike. I think I might just go. I'm, I'm going to stay home for most of it, but I think we might travel into Aspen or something. Hey. Got the mountains right there. Why not? Sure. All right, everybody. Thanks for thanks for listening. We'll be back soon. Bye. <laughs>